1: You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans, for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. We are back to celebrate another Auburn Tigers victory, this time over the Dayton Flyers by the score of of 82 to 72 the tigers continue their win streak since falling to duke back in the maui invitational and setting up for a very good end of non-conference play although there are some great teams left to play to break down all the action from this and the storylines i brought in uh along with myself kyle <laughs> my co-host clint richardson of the auburn uniform database clint it's good to back uh, back to have you for a win what's up What's up, buddy? It is so good uh, to be riding this high roller coaster that it is right now. I'm hoping that we don't have to go through as many ups and downs as we did last year because we were on that high for the beginning part, and then it just kind of—it really wasn't a roller coaster. It just kind of tanked at the end there.
0: Yeah, that's true. But yep. getting these—knocking out some wins early on and the fashion that Auburn has done it is definitely really nice. and. Seeing any number in front of Auburn's name on the score bug and the bot's scores is always, always a bit positive. It is definitely just to
1: see them recognized for some type of play, uh, whether um, it's the best that we're going to see this season or not. Still seeing still it number eight overall. Um, and I, I'm very happy with the performance, although. When we talk specifically about this game, and I think you and I will get into some of this, is that this was not their best performance of the year, and Coach Pearl was none too happy about any of it. And I would, I think you would agree with that.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: Well, let's talk about some of the reasons that maybe why we didn't like that here in just a second. But let's celebrate something. I know we like to talk about these small things, with the stuff with inside the game. Um, last night, Coach Pearl put on a promotion. And the, the rest of the basketball staff, they wanted people to bring toys for tots. Uh, they do this a lot during the holidays part of the games uh, there. And last night, they got over approximately, we'll say, maybe not over, but approximately 1,500 toys donated. It speaks a lot to the generosity of the Auburn family.
0: Yeah, that's always a, a great charity to support. And the the Lee County area has a lot of uh, children in need, and you'll hear all the stats, especially with like the Jason Duffner Foundation, who feeds these underprivileged kids. And, and th- these will go a long way in, during the holiday season.
1: It definitely will. And I remember a time, Clint, when this used to be your way to get into the game. All you had to do was bring a toy to get in because they couldn't <laughs> fill the seats. And we've come a long
0: way since then. Yeah, they put that promotion down at the uh, gymnastics and women's basketball games now. <laughs> <laughs> although the way they are performing these
1: days too, especially women's basketball, uh, that might not be a promotion much longer anyway, so you bet you better take advantage of it while you can. Uh, nonetheless, great support shown by the Auburn family here. It's another reason to be proud that you are an Auburn Tiger. Uh, a couple of other storylines coming out of this game here, and I'm ashamed at us, Clint. I don't know how you and I missed this in the preview <laughs> for the Dayton game. Anthony Grant returns to Auburn Arena, and of course, he still is struggling to get wins in that arena. Just like Bama. <laughs> now, I will say this, and I was <coughs> sitting with a uh, a friend who is a Bama fan, but he really appreciates the way Auburn plays basketball, and so he gets to uh, go to some games sometimes. And I was sitting with him at the game last night, and he and I were discussing, was the move for Anthony Grant, <coughs> even though he got fired— was it a lateral move for him to get the Dayton job? Because personally, you think when you get fired, you usually take a job that's not as high profile as the one you had before. But I would argue, and I don't know how you feel about it, that Dayton is at least a lateral
0: move for him. You know, I think it's actually an upward move because he is a Dayton graduate, if right. I remember correctly. So he's back home coaching his team, and you know the the firing of Anthony Grant at Alabama was solely so that the Alabama basketball program could keep tabs with Auburn. And, you know, they they were honestly starting to struggle, and they realized that they had some changes to make and some facility upgrades to make. And it's, you know, Alabama's just been way behind the ball on those. And, you know, I think Anthony Grant is a really good coach. I think he's a good guy. And nobody is going to be able to succeed at that level with what Alabama has always put into their basketball program it's always been second rate at best and now that they have decided to actually care and that basketball is on the up and up in the state of Alabama you know I think Anthony could have done you know the same job if not better than what um Avery Johnson has done so far I always said that I thought that was
1: a little bit of a premature decision by alabama <clears throat> granted i understand maybe the trajectory that they were seeing and the trajectory that auburn was going in you you kind of have those tendencies i would even argue that if you look in the case of what's going on with football in the state right now we have a sim- certain similar case that i hope we don't make the same mistake but i won't get onto that i'll leave that for the football show to argue that point around there however It was interesting seeing Anthony Grant back in Auburn Arena, and we were sitting there in the stands, and I kept looking at the coach, and I was like, God, this guy looks familiar. And he turns around, and I'm just like, Anthony Grant? I was like, how did I forget about this? And I was so ashamed of us. (laughs) Uh, But it was, you know, he is a great coach, and the way his team claimed last night in a very hostile environment was indication of how well coached they are and the talent that they have there. And there's, there's something I want to ask you at the end of our discussion about this that may reflect how we maybe feel about this team and the coach and, and what they kind of put together there last night. Um, another thing that I thought about coming out of this game is, and it's a storyline that I keep talking about throughout the season as we go along here, is I feel like this is a season in much, le- or much more last night, a reversal of fortunes for Auburn, whereas I look at the season of last year and how Auburn had their success basically off of out-rebounding, free throws, and going and and are making three pointers the entire time. And that's how you saw Dayton stay in this game the entire time. So I felt like I was watching a reflection of Auburn of last year. Did you get any kind of sense of
0: that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really good idea. I didn't think about that until you said that, but I mean, it was, it was not an easy win for Auburn, even though they went into halftime up 19 and you know, it's, it's never a good thing when you have to hold on for a 10 point victory, but, um, you know Dayton is a really good basketball program name and I think Anthony Grant's going to do a good job there and and he had those guys fighting and that's you know when you're in a when you're an underdog when you're up against a top 10 program and you're at their place I mean all you can really hope for is your team fight and that the ball bounces the right way and you know it's it's kind of hard to to go up against you know somebody like Bryce Brown shooting lights out and Jared Harper backing them up and hope that the ball is going to keep bouncing your way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was one of those games where it never felt as complete of a win or as distance of a win as it could have been at some points here. Only winning by 10, I think speaks for itself there. Um, and also when I talk about reversals so here, like more recent comparison for Auburn fans, if you think about the way it felt against Duke a couple of games ago where Auburn, it never got within single digits that much to Duke only a few times they did and for a little while they did it was the same thing for Dayton You know that we would break away against Duke or they Duke would break away against us and then we would do the same against Day- Dayton but then they would just slowly chip away with making three-pointers and just out-rebounding out-hustling and it was just kind of an interesting thing to look at that kind of comparison to here so you know what I'm going to ask you next, Clint was this a complete
0: game or no? no, not at all and why? You know, it started out pretty nice. Um, I think Auburn was up what twenty to eight kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then you've got Bryce Brown hitting bat to bat to back three pointers on consecutive trips down the court. And that, that first half probably would be a perfect half, um, but you know, just just kind of coasting through the second half and and settling for some bad shots late in the game just you know it really felt like jared and bryce especially were just trying to put that dagger in dayton and they weren't very good shots they waste they didn't waste enough time on the clock and you know there were a lot of things that i can see why coach pearl was upset about Mm
1: -hmm. i felt really badly for rod bramblett after the game and the post game show because he was trying his hardest to put somewhat of a positive spin on a very frustrating second half, and Coach Pearl was not having any of it, and it was very funny to watch or listen to Rod struggle through that. And he wasn't being rude to Rod in any way, but he he just was, you know, straight up. Coach Pearl was. He, he said this was a horrible, um, probably one of the worst games that they played this season. And and that's kind of funny to say when you look at some of these stats here. And let's just talk about some team stats real quick and kind of compare them. Dayton from the field shot forty eight percent. Auburn forty six from the three point line. Dayton shot 48%. Auburn shot 36%. Free throws, 70 for Dayton, 82 for Auburn. Now, that makes me very happy, Clint. <laughs> you know that? We finally got the 80% here. Uh, turnovers, Dayton had 23 to Auburn's 10. And I think if you want to look at the difference in the game here with Auburn slacking off a little bit in the second half, you really have to just look at the defense, and that is the difference in the game.
0: Yeah, um, Dayton, you know, we <clears throat> when we talked on the preview, we definitely highlighted um, Opie Topin, number one, and and I didn't realize that this kid was a freshman until they talked about it on the uh, broadcast. But he was just a monster in the second half, and flying around and and just pretty much dominating Auburn. And you know, he only finished with ten points, but he was a perfect four for four from the field, with one of those being a three pointer. And you know, this kid's only playing sixteen minutes, and he's playing like that. You know, when he gets a a little bit older and a little bit more experienced, he's gonna be a dominating factor for this Dayton Flyers team.
1: You can definitely see a really good foundation for this team and currently they have a lot of talent already playing there and that are kind of already starting to mesh together a little bit. Even if you look at Dayton's schedule like we talked about, all their losses, including this one, have been by single digits or a ten point loss to us against either really good teams or decent teams. So it's it's frustrating for a team like Dayton that's been on the cusp of kind of making their signature resume wins for the tournament, but they keep losing, and especially on the road. Um, so I think, and I hope that the committee takes that into consideration for Dayton at the end of the year, especially if they go on to win their conference, that they played some really good teams tough, especially on the road, because I would like to see this team face off against, you know, the upper echelon in the tournament. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, they're going to be a fun team to keep up with all season long. So let's talk a little
1: bit about some individual stats here, and the, you, we just need to start right off with it. Bryce Brown, as he continues to do and impress people, has a career night with 34 points. Talk a little bit about what impressed you about Bryce.
0: You know, was it it was in Hawaii that he broke the school three-point career record, surpassing Wesley Person, and he's just going to put this so far out of reach that nobody is ever going to come close. <laughs> and last night just proved that. You know, six for 13 from three-point land with like we said, three of them in a row on consecutive trips and you know, he was just feeling it. And you know, 10 of 18 overall, 8 of 9 from the line. I mean, what more can you say about Bryce? He's he's going to be the one to light the crowd up in the Auburn arena in the jungle. And, you know, you just got to hope that his cold streak is really short because he's going to hit it. You know, you can't stay hot all game and all season long, but, you know, hopefully it's just a really small portion of, of, of a single game.
1: What I was most impressed by Bryce Brown last night was him really utilizing the uh, fake the jump shot and then drive in for a basket, which helped him get to the line the most out of any Auburn Tiger last night. Eight for nine from the free throw line. The next person who got the most attempts was Jared Harper, who made all of his. Um, So I think if you want to ask the question, the opposite of the way we do at the beginning of these shows, is it a complete game for the team? I would argue that this is about as complete a game that Bryce Brown could have. 34 points. 10 for 18 from the field, 6 for 13 from three-point land, 8 for 9 from free throws, one rebound, one assist, only one personal foul, and only one turnover. I think that speaks to, A, how in control he was offensively, utilizing that drive, but also how locked in on defense he was. Because if I I remember correctly, that even personal foul that was calling him was kind of ticky-tacky, and I just was very impressed. It's probably the most impressive game I've seen him play at his time at Auburn.
0: I would agree with that, and I think that was definitely you know it's career numbers or points, but I think that was definitely a career game. And you know we don't talk about the plus-minus numbers a whole lot on this show, but Bryce had a a plus twenty when he was on the court. Uh, Jared surprisingly only had a plus ten, but Chuma Okiki, who <clears throat> probably had one of the most lackluster games of his career stat-wise, two points. One for sits on the field, no trip to the free throw line, um, three total rebounds, two assists, and a turnover. But he had a plus twenty one. I mean that's and this kid is going to dominate this game, whether it's on the stat sheet or not. No matter who you build this Auburn basketball team around, whether it's last year and Mustafa Heron or this year and Jared Harper, Bryce Brown and and the soon to come back, Dan john this this team has to be centered around Chumo Kiki.
1: And I find that interesting because he had such a great start to this season. And I guess the question I'm asking myself, and I'll, I'll pose to you as well, Clint, is do you think it's more of he's in a slump or our defense is now having to key off of him
0: because of the way they saw him start the season? You know, I think it just comes down to the fact that he doesn't seem to be a very selfish kid. You know, it, to, to get... 20 and 34 points there has to be a little bit of selfishness and i'm not saying that in a bad thing you know to to be a shooter you have to be confident and you have to be the one to want to have it on your shoulders chuma i think has the thought process of if the last shot comes to me i am gonna make it but i'm not gonna beg and cry and make sure that i get the last shot i think he's a confident player but he's not gonna go out there and make it all about himself
1: I would agree with that he does seem to be a very team focused player right now which is a very rare commodity in such a talented guy like Chumo Kiki you would think his second year in here that he's all right I'm established now I should start to become the star of this team but he hasn't portrayed that type of attitude especially when he's not getting the numbers that he's probably accustomed to or that we're accustomed to seeing him have in this so I do look for him to have better uh, statistical nights as the season goes along Uh, but it's nice to have um, Other people stepping up while he's kind of having, we'll call it an off streak or an off night here. Another player that stood out last night and continues to do so, Jared Harper. 20 points in the night, so he would have probably been the star had Bryce Brown not gone insane last night and shot everything, everybody out of the building. Uh, but Jared Harper, I thought the most impressive thing again was his passing ability. He had a beautiful alley from the same exact spot twice last night in the second half. And it was a thing of beauty, throwing it up for the slam. I think to Austin Wiley both times.
0: I mean, Jared is a passing machine and an assist machine. He finished the night with seven assists. And you know, I'm just, I'm honestly just waiting on this kid to to come away with a, a double double and points and assists. And hopefully, he can have just a crazy night and come away with Auburn's second career triple double. Um, but you know, he just he's got the highest basketball IQ. Of any Auburn basketball player that I've seen in years, and just you know, he he is definitely the court marshal. He oversees everything on the court. He knows where everybody's supposed to be. He's gonna put you where you're supposed to be and make sure you're open and just put. He Jared Harper does such a good job of putting the rest of his teammates in a great position, and you know, I think, I mean, when he can do that and get seven assists out of it and still be a factor scoring, you know, going, getting and going and getting 20 points. I mean, that's a matchup from heck from, for some of these defenses. How do you, how do you guard somebody with so many options like Jared Harper?
1: Yeah. And that's another question I was asking last night to the friend I went to the game with, um, where he was more proposing it to me. He thinks Jared Harper will go to the NBA this next year. Do you start to think along that lines or do you still think he needs another year of development?
0: I think he's gone. I mean, he's a. Is he not a senior?
1: I believe he's a junior now. I believe he's a junior, and I think he. Yeah, if I think we even looked that up too to see who all would be losing because Bryce Brown is obviously gone, uh, Horace Spencer would be gone, uh, several others I think as well. But um, I think Jared Harper, um, even if he isn't, that you're starting to lean towards him leaving after this year. But I just I go back to his size a little bit, and I'm not trying to discredit anyone for their size because clearly tons of players have not let that be a factor for them but i just wonder is it still a little bit of a factor for him at the same time
0: yeah and i think that going and doing the nba scouting combines and and what jared harper and bryce brown did last year was very beneficial for the two of them and you know it's it's always good when you can make two impressions like they're hopefully going to get i i fully expect both of these guys to be invited back into those kind of things maybe even the NBA combine this season and when you are able to show these scouts how much you've grown in a year and just how different your play can become I think that that's a really beneficial thing for these guys to do
1: well the point stands still that whether he does go or not Auburn's still going to lose a ton of talent this year and the question then becomes how do we replace it all and it's a good problem to have but again you know this is what happens. More success, more problems is what they say. It's kind of like more money, more problems. Um, but those two, Bryce Brown and Jared Harper, definitely had great games tonight. I, I would argue that this was probably the poorest performance as a unit for the what we would call the big men. Now, Austin Wiley you know, had a pretty great night. I think he had something like five blocks on the night, and he just seemed to be in everybody's lunchbox the entire yeah, night. Yeah. Uh, but when you look offensive production, uh, for Spencer, he had two points. Wiley had eight. Uh, Dunbar, I would kind of count him in the bigger man role, zero points. Macklemore had six. I think it was really last night a case of the guards carrying the team as opposed to the big men, which is kind of the opposite we've seen um, in many games, not most, but many games this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, this one's a hard one to break down for those guys because they they weren't needed, but some more output would have been really nice. And, you know, I don't think you can really fault Austin Wiley. Um you know, eight points, four, seven overall, uh, seven total rebounds, five blots, like he mentioned. <clears throat> he did have four turnovers, which, you know, he's he's kind of clumsy with the ball, I think, down low. And that's such a tough place to play. But, um, you know, you mentioned Horace and, and Anthony, and Anthony did at least come away with six points. But, you know, Malik Dunbar, this one confuses me. <clears throat> he only played for six minutes and didn't actually make it on the stat sheet whatsoever other than his three missed three pointers. So I'm not sure what Malik did to not get a whole lot of playing time, but, you know, that that's kinda surprising. And, you know, going back to the plus minus numbers, Anthony out of that group still had the best number at plus nine, and he only played for eighteen minutes. Horace had a minus one, Malik had a minus three. Austin surprisingly had a minus seven and you know, the few, the 11 minutes that Javon McCormick came on, he had a, a negative 10 plus minus stat. So, yeah. you know, you've got your your faster and smaller guys and Bryce, Jared, Chuma, and Samir. And they're, you know, outside of Anthony, they're the only four that had really good positive numbers. And, you know, that's I think that really comes down to the style of Dayton's play. Yep. And they went zone defense that really kind of caught Auburn off guard. And like we talked last week, this team is doing really good at finding ways to win and haven't really faced a whole lot of zone defenses. So any opportunity is a good one right now. And I think that these numbers that we're seeing just come down to that. And Auburn wasn't really able to play transition like they love to. And, um, You know, Auburn just really struggled down low, and hopefully that'll get fixed really quick.
1: I do think it's a combination of struggling, but at the same time, you can look at time uh, for players in this game, and it's heavy to the guard or the smaller type of lineup, and I think that just comes with the coach's decision, knowing who they were playing and the type of defense they were going to be playing against that was better suited um, to kind of rotate in some of the big guys that probably would be getting a little bit tired. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both in that case. And then back to your point about Dunbar, I can tell you exactly why he only got six minutes. Two air balls from the same exact spot in the <laughs> three-point line in a row. Uh, I, I love Malik Dunbar and what he brings to this team, but last night was not a good
0: game for him. But um, still, those those numbers and two bad air balls do not qualify for somebody like Malik Dunbar to have six minutes. I don't maybe may, maybe Javon McCormick as a true freshman and... You know, already not playing a whole lot, but not somebody like Malik Dunbar.
1: Well, there obviously was something for uh, Coach Pearl to not wanting to utilize him that much last night, and it could be something we don't even know about, like injury. But let's hope not. Um, let's hope but, he was just sick. Yeah, there we go. You know, it is that getting close to that flu season. We'll, we'll just blame it on the flu that's coming to him at some point. Um, but if you kind of means he's cl- got a flu game coming. Oh, don't. Let's not even wish that on them. <laughs> let's not. No, let's not even wish that. Um, To close out our discussion on Dayton here, I want to point something out. If you want to look at why this game was as close as it was and what helped win Auburn, you need to look at defense for Auburn. And you can kind of go right here to 10 steals, 9 blocks. Five of those came from Austin Wiley. But the reason that they were able to stay in the game, which we've always mentioned here, total rebounds for Dayton was 37 to 27 from Auburn. And then they had 48 percent from three-point line that is why dayton stayed as close as they did and the question i need to ask you clint is if this game is in dayton ohio does it end up differently
0: i mean we played in dayton last year but with these stats i think so i think that that's where you get the you know shooters are just comfortable people and when they're in a comfort zone that's when you get somebody like bryce brown going off um the rebounds, you know, that I think is definitely the big telling on why the men struggled, um, but you know, I think again, this all just goes back to the fight that the Dayton team and what Anthony Grant has been able to instill in them, in honestly such a rather short period of time, and to go out and out rebound Auburn, a number eight team in the country and one that's been really good at rebounding the past year and a half, to out rebound them by ten and to shoot ten percent better on your three-pointers and to still come and lose by 10 that's that's pretty impressive you know i think that says a lot about dayton and their fight and also auburn and and the kind of runs that they're able to go on yep
1: and i you know this is the thing about dayton here is i consider them our top three for our resume that would be even though we lost the duke game just kind of to hand that to someone saying this is why we deserve to be in the tournament look how we played duke look at our win over Xavier on the road and look at our win over a Dayton team who I think is going to have a great season. So good luck to them the rest of the season. But let's talk about the next game, which is going to be against UAB in Birmingham at the BJCC in downtown Birmingham. It's this Saturday night, so about a little over, little under a week of rest for the Tigers here during finals week for Saturday the 15th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on the CBS Sports Network. And Clint, this year they they, you know, they decided to kind of Give this thing a name now since it's becoming a ho- not an annual but almost annual game for Auburn and UAB, the Mike Slive Invitational. And you know how Mike Slive's had a big impact on the SEC since his pa- in, while he was here and since his passing, and it's a great way to honor a very important figure in the SEC history.
0: Well, and all Conference USA football teams have worn a Mike Slive decal on the back of their helmets this year as he was the commissioner for the CUSA before he came to the SEC, so there's there's definitely a connection between these two programs and Might Slive, and you know it's all. I think a lot of the proceeds are going to help out with the Might Slive Foundation and uh, prostate cancer, so always a good um, cause. And you know, just we're in that time of year where everybody's asking you for your money, toys and tots, and and, and everybody else. But at least this is, you know, they're for good causes and we can find a way to, you know, be
1: okay with that here. Uh, But I'm I'm glad they're honoring Mike Slive in this. And uh, I think it kind of lends more to making this even more of an important game because, you know, I I feel like we have been a big advocate for this to occur every single year, Auburn and UAB, even though UAB has yet to beat Auburn since Pearl has got here. So I think that this kind of adds a little bit to the kind of. I guess you say history of it, if it has some kind of significance behind it, honoring a special person like that. Um, but it remains to be seen this is not going to be an easy game for Auburn. UAB is probably not as good as they've been in years past, but we're going to what's going to be a hostile environment because it's in Birmingham, but it's, and it's not their home court. But you know there's going to be UAB fans there in Forest. but I have full faith that the Auburn faithful will be there uh, to support them as well, and the reason for that is, is everybody is finally ready to see someone we haven't got to see for a year and a half, and that's Daniel Pirofoy.
0: Are you excited for this? I, I am, um, and and this is going to be a really fun atmosphere. Um, the the BJCC seats, you know, over seventeen thousand people, and I'm going to be shocked if it's not going to be a sellout. You've got Auburn, top ten program. D'Angelo pura coming back for his first game, and and UAB. And the UAB fans are really riding a high with the way their football team played this year and, and capturing the, the conference championship. So <clears throat> this is going to be a crazy outing. And if um, two years ago, when we made the trip to uh, UAB's campus for the game, it was a packed house. There were a lot of Auburn fans there, and I would not be surprised to see Uh, a repeat of that but in a bigger atmosphere
1: yeah it's definitely going to be a great atmosphere and one that I know that D'Angelo is going to be excited to be a part of finally after such a long wait here but here's the big question I love to get predictions from you Clint how many minutes do you think D'Angelo sees on the
0: court Saturday night uh less than 15. I think that's
1: honestly very optimistic
0: yeah I do too I didn't want to give the kid 10 but I think that he's hopefully earned a little bit more than 10 in practice. But as, you know, as we said before, I don't know where you give him minutes. You know this, this game, I think, are a little bit easier when you know, you've got some guys really struggling and still putting in a good bit of uh, time on the court. But I, I don't know where you take away some minutes for D'Angelo. Um, I'm very curious to see how that works. Um, if you remember back to the exhibition game where D'Angelo actually did get to play, he looked terrible, and I hope that that was just rust, and he's been able to work on that ever since. But this is a UAB team that is not going to be one to, to take lightly, mm-hmm. and and if things aren't going well with Daniel on the court, I don't think you see him very long.
1: Yeah, and I hope that's not the case because, you know, for all I know, he's going to have an amazing <laughs> comeback story there on primetime on national television uh, and show the world that, you know, This year and a half has been well spent preparing for this day. And I have full faith that he and the coaching staff have been getting him ready for this. I do still think it'll take some time to get him ready. And in regards to UAB and whether the challenge will be that tough for Auburn, you kind of look at their record here. Um, They had three losses on the year to Memphis, to number 14 at the time, FSU, and to Charleston, which are none of those are anything to be super worried about. Um, They're not bad losses, although they did lose by more than 10 points in each game. Um, so but everything else, that's the only question I have is all their wins are against teams that I, I can't even recognize them by their acronym. Uh, most of them I can't, but uh, there's, there's, not a, there's not an impressive. <laughs> oh, come on, don't talk bad about Canisius. <laughs> I'm glad you pronounced that one because I wasn't going to be able to. Here's the thing is I, I don't see a win that impresses me. Their losses and who they've lost to impresses me more than their wins. And that's kind of how I feel about
0: the game going forward. I think that's a fair observation and you know this this team hasn't really put up great numbers um looking at their uh leaders it's it's really nice to see lewis sullivan get up there with um you know he had the high points against memphis saturday with 14 uh against north alabama last tuesday he had 11 rebounds which led the team and also in a mid-november win against alabama had five assists which led the team so and full disclosure, Lewis and I went to high school together So um, it's it's good to see him performing well at uh, UAB.
1: Will you be slightly rooting for him, just not to do too well?
0: No, I rooted for his brother more
1: <laughs> Okay, I'm glad we won't have any kind of mixed uh, uh, emotions there in terms of allegiances I'm glad that's not going to be going on there for you uh,
0: no.
1: <laughs> Regardless of a way you look at this UAB game, I think it's one that needs to continue. I'm very excited to see it played yet again uh, during the Bruce Pearl era. Before we get out of here, Clint, let's give our contact information. You can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24.
0: Where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24. And you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database, at AuburnUniforms.com.
1: And that's all we have for you on this edition of Inside the Jungle. But until you see you again, War Eagle. believe in auburn and love it the only question remains do you